Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Say, do you need to renew your passport, folks? Well then, pack a sandwich and maybe even pack a tent because your friendly neighborhood passport office now resembles a realm that makes hell look like a five-star resort. Alexa Lavoie paid a visit to a chaotic Montreal passport office recently, where the lineup was so big that people were actually camping out overnight. Alexa has all the gruesome details. So Seneca College and York University in Toronto share the same postal code, yet Seneca demands its students to be vaxxed in order to attend classes and graduation ceremonies, whereas York does not. Why? Tabitha Peters will join me to try and unravel this latest COVID mystery. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses about my report on Recipe Unlimited, a Vaughn, Ontario food service leviathan that isn't so keen on flying the Canadian flag these days, Dominion Day be damned. Yet another uber-woke institution has seemingly declared war on the Maple Leaf. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. The, the flight is tomorrow night and we still have no updates, nothing from them. Uh, so we decided to come in about yesterday afternoon and we stumbled upon the line where we realized, okay, this, this is something that we might have to get into as early as we can. Je peux pas croire que le bureau central de passeport de Montréal accueille seulement 80 personnes. Mon vol est ce soir, puis je l'aurai pas. Um, we've been here for three nights and we missed our flight today for four o'clock. Look at these outrageous footage that we took in front of the Canadian passport office in Montreal. But that represents all these offices all across Canada. Because the passport system in Canada is an absolute chaos. Canadians have a resort to sleep on the street outside of Service Canada office in hope of being able to renew their passport, but instead they miss their flight. Justin Trudeau must fire Karina Gould from her position as Minister of Families, Children and Social Development due to her disastrous management of the Canadian passport backlog. She is falling Canadian. If you agree, please sign our petition calling on Justin Trudeau to fire his disastrous Minister of ch Family, Children and Social Development, Karina Gould. Sign it massively so we can send a message to stop these chaos that is happening right now. 
So hey, Alexa for Urban News, and I'm currently in Montreal in front of the complex Guy Favreau, where is the passport office. As you can see just behind me, the huge lineup of people who are waiting since many days day and night for having their passport in time for catching their flight. Unfortunately, some of them have lost already their flight and it will cost them a lot of money to change their flight date. So we can see the door is closed. The security are not letting more than 80 people passing per day. They are giving ticket at the beginning of the day and afterwards the gate stay close so we saw service canada coming to ask if other people than passport have rendezvous to have to go inside of the building but for the other one they have no news nobody come to talk to them nobody ask them like any question about if their flight is is coming up soon or other question so they are there without knowing what is going on and um, nobody is coming to talk to them so we'll uh, show you what is going on here on the scene Service Canada rapprochez-vous d'ici juste Service Canada Passport Canada restez en ligne s'il vous plaît Service Canada rapprochez-vous C'est pas votre rôle de venir faire ça c'est peut-être les rôles de ces de ces fonctionnaires là qui sont dans les bureaux là les de peut-être venir expliquer un peu au aux citoyens qui payent des taxes à longueur d'année de venir leur dire pourquoi il faut dormir deux nuits dehors et peut-être rater son billet d'avion et tes chambres d'hôtel que tu as déjà payé. Est-ce que c'est Monsieur Trudeau qui va nous rembourser Est-ce que c'est le fédéral qui va nous rembourser Wow, what a disgrace. You know, my blood boils just watching that video. I can only imagine the meltdown I would actually endure if I was a client going through that hellacious lineup. Unbelievable. And with more on this story is our Quebec City correspondent, and that would be Alexa Lavoie. Bonjour, Alexa. Bonjour. Ça va bien? <laughs> Please. Oh, <it's> going on. <laughs> no cadeau is what I know from the lottery uh, checking. Oh, my but, God. <laughs> but, Alexa, as I was saying, that is infuriating footage we just watched. But I think the most pertinent question is this. What are the conditions that have created these unacceptable lineups in the first place? Is it perhaps the fact that so many federal bureaucrats, including Service Canada personnel, are still inexplicably working from home? Yeah, so I think it's the main reason how you can produce a passport uh, if you are not access to the confidential data that you probably have access only at the office. So still in Quebec is 3,600 workers that are working from home still from Service Canada. And uh, as we know, it's 249 uh, workers that lost their job because of the vaccination uh, status. Um, so nobody is there at the office to work from home. And we know that one of the... Uh, one of the person that was waiting online say that uh, the day before someone went out to say that one printer was uh, out of service. And we know that only two printers are there inside of the office. So it was 50% of the capacity uh, for printing passport. So I think the main thing that they, they should have done so far from the government is to repatriate the people who are working from home to go back at the office work there 
work at night and during the weekend to just clear the lineup and make sure that everybody had their passport to go back and get their flight in time. Well, Alexa, from what you're telling me then, this is an incredibly easy fix. And it's for the people in management, the bosses to tell these personnel that, you know, you've probably gotten very comfortable just working at home in your pajamas these last two years. But the pandemic's basically over. Get back to work. Start going into the office. Start fulfilling your duties. Why isn't that being done? So no, they use the money to hire more security and more <laughs> personnel to to make sure that nobody were entering inside of the building and to manage like the big crowd that was yelling in outside. So is it really appropriate? So we are paying more security and more officer uh, inside of the building, but we have nobody that are working inside of the office. So. So I think it's really outrageous to see the taxpayer, all our money it's using for dealing with all uh, what is going on with the Canada passport. Because I talk with so many people in the lineup and they, most of them have lost their flight. Oh, uh, yes, we saw that. And, you know, this is just so egregious, though, Alexa. Like I said, for two years, basically, um, nobody in government got laid off. They just got paid for basically not doing work. Now, when they're required to actually do some work, it's like, now nah, I'm kind of uh, uh, happy where I am uh, staying at home, not doing work. And we are paying for it. But, Alexa, what I want to address is the big lie here. Recently, mm -hmm. the liberals have said that these horrible lineups are the result of a surge in passport uh, applications. And the numbers have been crunched. And guess what, my friend? The, the, um, the passport applications going on right now in Canada are actually lower than the applications post-COVID. Uh, you know, in other words, uh, some two years ago. So, they're tr I know it seems incredible with the likes of Marco Mendicino and Justin Trudeau and Bill Blair in the Liberal government that these Liberals might not tell the truth. But what do you make of this falsehood in terms of blaming this on a surge that does not exist? But first of all, they knew that was that was coming up. Like people are not traveling since two years. Why applying for a passport if you are not sure? Uh, if you will be able to travel again, especially uh, with the uncertain like, time. But we need to know that it's not just here in Canada. Um, I post my video and uh, a lot of people from G7 country were telling me that it's the same chaos for the passport like us. Mm. So I'm just wondering what is going on, um, especially it was the chaos in the airport. And now it's the chaos in the passport. So I'm just wondering, is it like uh, a really good way to implement the digital identity afterwards? Because they will say it's chaos everywhere. So we will like make a really easy 
uh, way to travel. Is it the way to do that, or is it just because the government doesn't know how to do their job properly? You, you know what, Alexa, I never thought of that. Maybe this is the government um, creating a crisis because they have that solution in their back pocket, potentially, you know, that whole uh, digital uh, passport. Uh, but I'm just speculating now. One last question. Mm -hmm. You know, even if this is existing in other countries, the common denominator is that the passport issuance is operated by government. And what we're seeing here, I think, Alexa, is yet again, the difference between government and the private sector. Say that passport office, say that was an ice cream shop, say that was you know, Alexa and Dave's ice cream, kind of like the Canadian version of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And we had people lined up around the block uh, to buy our product. We wouldn't let them, you know, linger like that. We would hire extra staff. We would, you know, do anything that's required to make that line move and deliver customer service excellence. But I guess when you're the government, you've got a monopoly on the service. It doesn't affect those in government. They fly around in private jets. So it's a big middle finger uh, to the Canadian taxpayer who, ironically, is funding these people in the first mm -hmm. place. Last word goes to you, Alexa. But they say that they are trying to rectify the situation that they are giving like ticket with number on it. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but when I go to uh, the grocery store and uh, if I want some meat there, I'm taking it with number two. So yeah. I don't think they create something really new there. Um, but the thing is like they say, oh, you need to go 24 hours before the departure. I will say to people, don't believe that because I saw a lot of people who were waiting three days and they lost their flight. So um, it's really outrageous because uh, people are waiting and uh, they lost thousands and thousands of dollars. But that really smell a uh, collective uh, recourse like that people will go uh, against the government to get their their money back because some of them had already some date of the arrival of their passport and we talk about some of them was 15 20 day and they still had not their passport so it i think i think all this should be on the government to be accountable of what happened in for the the citizen because yeah. justin trudeau went to the g7 um summit on our money yeah. he was free to travel he never lost his travel during the his citizen was waiting day and night under the rain sometime to wait for their passport and they lost their money on travel you know, Alexa, it, it is outrageous. I know you're going to keep uh, a watch over this file. It's not getting any better despite all the publicity about this. And it just goes to prove, you know, when it comes to the biggest lies ever uttered in the world, number two is the check is in the mail. And the biggest lie of all is, hi, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. <laughs> Anyways, Alexa, uh, good luck on uh, moving day. And uh, you have a wonderful Dominion Day weekend, my friend. You too. Good luck to uh, Canada Day. <laughs> okay, then. Thank you so much. And that was Alexa Lavoie in Quebec City. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
Hey guys, what's up? Tap the Peters here for Rebel News. I'm currently standing in front of Seneca College, which by the way, if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you can't attend any classes nor their graduation, which is on Monday next week. However, right across the street, York University, they dropped their vaccine mandate on May 1st and students on campus can attend whether they're vaccinated or not. So why does Seneca still have theirs in place, but York University doesn't? Back in July of last year, president of Seneca College, David Agnew, wrote an article for the Toronto Star talking about why Seneca College was the first post-secondary institution in Canada to require proof of vaccination on campus. He quoted, Honestly, in my 12 years as president, it was one of the easiest decisions. The pandemic has been a roller coaster for everyone. Seneca still has their vaccine policy in place, even though many other colleges and universities have already dropped them. Let's talk to some students and see how they feel about this. It's good that we're starting to drop some of the vaccine requirements. I think they were just starting to do it for flights and stuff mm -hmm. recently too, for domestic at least. I think it's, to me, it's about time that we start to relax some of those things. So It shouldn't be that because in terms of vaccination in the end, it's, I think it's a decision of like people in the end. If they want to get vaccinated or not, I think it has to be their own decision. I think you shouldn't like force anybody to do something that they don't really want to do. So if you didn't take the vaccine, then you need to take extra precautions to avoid unknowingly passing it on to somebody because I don't think there's anyone who would knowingly go along and pass this thing out. I'm all for vaccines. I think that people should be vaccinated. I think it just keeps us safe. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of unfair that, I mean, one, I mean, one school dropped their mandate, but the, the other didn't. Campus or Seneca campus? I'm going to Seneca. You're going to Seneca? Okay, I have a question for you, and this sure. kind of involves a lot of students. So next week, Seneca is having their graduation, but uh -huh. unfortunately, unvaccinated students cannot attend. Yes. How are you? How do you guys feel as students that, you know, York, they, they dropped their mandate, but Seneca still has theirs in place? I think Seneca should drop it. Yeah. I hope they do it because I also have my graduation in December. Okay. And I hope I can also attend it if, because I'm, I'm vaccinated, but mm -hmm. my, some of my friends are not, so I hope they can attend it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I mean, might be even better if they did something outside anyways, too. And, okay. you know, especially then in those cases, I'm not nearly as worried. As I said before, I mean, you shouldn't be forcing someone else to, like, do something they don't want, you know. If they want to do the vaccine, it should be on their own decision, not that they have to do any mandate of graduating or something like that, you know. It's kind of hypocritical. Um, yeah, and I don't know, everyone should get to be a part of the celebration. I don't think they could use the mandate as an excuse to exclude anybody because you could, you could actually set up bubbles. You can have, a, you can have bubbles um, where people who are not vaccinated could be attending um, safely for themselves and for other people. So I think it's just a cheap excuse. Sorry, I may be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking because I'm seeing it happening in so many places where businesses are exploiting um, this mandate for other reasons. For instance, the banks. When I look at the banks, they're cutting on the, the, the hours, they're cutting on the staffing, right? Now, and they're saying that's because of, um, the, you know, to, to, to keep the public safe. If you really want to keep the public say if you do the contrary you would expand the hours so that less people will uh, uh, this it will be less saturated right less dense and you'd also extend the staffing so people get attended quickly which would reduce the the the, the um, the opportunity time for the virus to spread. So, so far since things have been dropped at York, everything's been okay with like students coming in and yeah. classes have been back to normal? We actually, even last semester, uh, I mean, we were masked and had vaccines, but we didn't have any 
didn't have any major issues. Well, isn't that interesting? While so many other Canadian post-secondary institutions have dropped their vaccine mandates, that is not the case at Toronto Seneca College. And what's with that statement issued by Seneca President David Agnew, who said, quote, Honestly, in my 12 years as president, it, meaning keeping the vax mandates in place for both classes and graduation ceremonies, was one of the easiest decisions, end quote. So is Mr. Agnew a virology expert or a former chief medical health officer, or is he just some superstitious germphobe who believes the Wuhan virus will go out of its way to infect Seneca students for whatever reason, but will give York University students a pass? <laughs> what a crock! And joining me now for the first time on Rebel Roundup is one of our newest rebels, Tabitha Peters, who also just happens to be a Seneca alumnus. Thank you so much, Tabitha, for joining me. How Thanks. you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Tabitha, first order of business, what in blue hell did Mr. Agnew mean that this was basically a no-brainer decision for him to make? He's not a virology expert. He's not a former chief medical health officer. Why does this president think that he is on the right side on this issue? Honestly, I, I actually don't know. Like, mm. I, he's been doing this for like, what, 12, 13 years now. And from the letter that you quoted, like, he's saying this was the easiest decision that, like, he had to make. And I don't personally understand it because they, sh like, for example, one of Seneca's locations, they share the same location as York University. Yes. And they dropped their mandate completely. But Seneca buildings, like, you can't enter unless you're fully vaccinated. And I don't understand that at all. Well, this is what I don't get, Tabitha. We have been told since uh, the coronavirus first became part of the popular lexicon that we have to follow the science. Now, what you just said, here's a campus where there is both York students and Seneca students. It's the same postal code. And yet somehow it's a different standard for York students and Seneca students. Where, pray tell, is the science? It doesn't make sense if you ask me. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> so is this really, when we look at the likes of a Mr. Agnew, is this really about virtue signaling? Is this someone saying, you know, I know the Vax uh, um, passport has been dropped. I know the masking has been dropped. But I, I think I'm going to still enforce uh, these uber safety uh, efforts just because I think it's the virtuous thing to do. I personally think it's him maintaining control at this point. You know, I think that is really the biggest theme of what we've seen in the last two years. This hasn't really been, Tabitha, about a virus. This has been about various individuals, especially in government, of every level, of every political stripe, those in the bureaucracy, those in uh, the academic world, exerting control. And quite frankly, I think they've been amazed at how they've been able to get away with it, the amount of compliance. You know what I find interesting is that, so their graduation is actually, it was on Monday and Tuesday. So, you okay. know, so the fact that is their graduation wasn't even held at a Seneca campus. It was held at the Metro Convention Center downtown and they implemented the mandate for that specifically. But those venues, they don't actually have a mandate. It just depends on the host hosting the event. So Seneca, even there, they decided to implement it. So that's very interesting because just a short walk away from that convention center 
is Sky Dome, mm-hmm. the home of the Blue Jays, where they're packing in 30, 40, 50,000 fans. No masks. I mean, you can wear one if you want to, but it's not a requirement. Uh, no social distancing. So, again, I, uh, I don't understand the... Um, the double standard here that you could have tens of thousands of people packed into a ballpark, but they're concerned of maybe a few hundred Mm -hmm. in uh, a convention setting. Again, I'm baffled. Yeah. And people posted pictures of the graduation and there's like clumps of people just sitting together. You can't even be sure if people are even wearing their masks or not. Like what happened to social distancing? And they have that just like that in the open. You know, but here's the thing, Tabitha, I have to say, you know, this is anecdotal, but I'm sure there might be polls or polls to come. But when I see the amount of buy-in to, say, masking, for example, it is members of your generation. It is young, healthy people. In other words, those um, who are most unlikely at risk of getting COVID that are the biggest proponents of masking. And, you know, it used to be we go back 50, 60 years ago, the kids on campus, there were protests about uh, civil rights, about the Vietnam War. And now it's the opposite. It's like the mask is a symbol that I am pro-big government, I am pro-big lockdown, I am pro-masking, et cetera, et cetera. What's happened to the rebellious counterculture spirit on campus these days? Honestly, I have no idea. And the fact that you mentioned masks literally the other day, I can't stand this with people. They're wearing it below their nose. If you want to wear a mask, wear it fully (laughs) over the entire places where you breathe from. Why underneath the nose? Do you think part of the reason, Tabitha, might be that there's so much indoctrination and we see it starting as early as elementary school these days. You know, um, it's almost an Orwellian theme that government's out there to protect you, to do what's right for you. And it seems to me that people are buying into that. I I agree. I've seen that too, that's happening. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, wouldn't it have been great (laughs) at the graduation ceremony if everyone just, I don't know, broke these silly rules that really don't exist anywhere else in the world right now. <laughs> Honestly, I think it would have been fine, especially, you know, being an alumnus and, you know, former graduates having to come together and celebrate. Like there were so many people who couldn't attend the event and they were reaching out to me and I spoke to some people and it's just, it was really sad, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one last question. You are a, an alumnus of Seneca College. Um, what is it like on campus these days? Because, you know, I'll tell you, I go back to my old um, university. I can't call it Ryerson anymore. It's got the name of a, it sounds like a subway station. Metropolitan. <laughs> Metropolitan <laughs> Toronto <laughs> Union United. I, I don't know. And, you know, it, it is just this, you know, walking through the halls, looking at the posters. It is just um, this echo chamber of far left progressive thinking. It, it, it's like, uh, you know, like I said, I don't recognize the Ryerson I went to some 40 years ago. What's it like on campus these days at Seneca? Well, when I went, I went from 2019 to 2021 and I was right before the pandemic hit. So when yeah. I went, it was actually a really nice place. Like I enjoyed it completely. Okay. I feel like now having graduated from what I'm hearing and seeing online, it's changed. Yeah. And when I went there just the other day doing the report, um, you know, things just, there wasn't that many students on campus. I know now it's like the summertime, everyone's on their break or whatnot, but I feel like the vibe of it completely has changed. A lot of people don't feel as comfortable as they used as they once were, Mm. you know, it's different. Thank you so much for coming on Rebel Roundup and let us collectively hope that things, you know, return to normal in the future, that we can go to classes without masks. We can 
take part in graduation ceremonies without all these draconian rules. Um, I'm hopeful, but uh, with the likes of Mr. Agnew uh, making policy, I'm not optimistic. Yeah, thanks, David, for having me. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Vaughan, Ontario. And folks, the question arises, are we seeing yet another war against the Canadian flag here at the headquarters of Recipe Unlimited? Now, Recipe Unlimited is a huge food service company. It owns several chains of restaurants, including Swiss Chalet, Harvey, St. Hubert, The Keg, and so on. But I couldn't help but notice when you drive up the 400, this is one of the biggest flagpoles, maybe the biggest flagpole you'll spot. And normally what you see is the maple leaf flying proudly here at the headquarters of Recipe. But not in recent weeks, it has been taken down and lo and behold, it is the uh, pride flag. And I'm really curious about that, given that we're just about a week away from Dominion Day, a.k.a. Canada Day, as some of the kids call July the 1st. Why is it that the Canadian flag has been, oh, I don't know, like a statue of John A. Macdonald uh, folded up and put in a closet somewhere? Well, I did reach out to the public relations specialist for uh, Recipe. That would be Nicolette Garrido. And I had some queries for her. Why has the Canadian flag been removed, especially given that we are only days away from July 1st? Number two, we have recently covered stories in which certain entities, i.e. Kawartha Dairy, Sunderland School, have deemed the flag to be offensive to certain people. Is this perhaps why the Canadian flag was removed? And three, if indeed Recipe Unlimited deems that the Canadian flag is offensive, how exactly is the maple leaf allegedly offensive to those who comprise the Canadian LGBT plus community? Well, I sent her an email a few days ago. I reached out by telephone. I was told she doesn't have a uh, phone extension. Yeah, she's the public relations specialist, but I did leave my name and number. And uh, so here, that what brings us here today is a visit. Now, uh, to be honest, if you, if this is private property, which it is, and it's a, a, a private company, I guess you can flag whatever the heck you want on the flagpole. But I think it's a question of respect, especially being so close to Canada's birthday. Why not fly both the maple leaf and the pride flag what's wrong with that or is it perhaps that recipe unlimited kind of like kawartha dairies look upon the canadian flag as potentially offensive to some people it's so weird isn't it well there you have it folks yet another communication specialist that doesn't communicate why does recipe unlimited even have such a person on staff to begin with Look, if a company wants to fly the pride flag, that's its decision. But even if it's against official flag protocol, why not have the Canadian flag fly from that flagpole too, with the Canadian flag being on top, of course. Or if a company wants to continually raise a flag other than the Maple Leaf to acknowledge the cause du jour, 
then maybe it should invest in a second flagpole. That would be chump change for a food service colossus like Recipe Unlimited. In any event, you had plenty to say about the maple leaf being dissed yet again. Monica Ginocchio writes, We must stop using companies that are ashamed of our land's flag. It is our duty as Canadians. Well, I agree, Monica. The question is, what is the reason for the shame? Is it because the Canadian flag is too closely linked to the Freedom Convoy movement? And if that is the case, well then, how shameful is that? Vovo writes, Go woke, go broke. The corporations have a right to put up whatever flag they wish. We, the Canadian consumers, have a right to never enter their restaurants until our beautiful flag goes up. I, for one, along with my family members, will not be entertaining those restaurants. Hey, Recipe Unlimited runs many superb food service chains, as far as I can tell, no doubt about that. But by the same token, they don't have a monopoly on burgers, chicken, and pasta. <laughs> Thank God. Small cringe minority writes, After what the Canadian government has done to its citizens over the past couple of years, I almost don't blame people for being less patriotic, whatever the motivation. Canada needs to reform its identity majorly if it plans on continuing as a democracy. Well, small cringe minority, I totally get your point in this day and age of living through the Justin Jugmeat regime. But we must separate the flag of our great dominion from the incompetent and odious government that is currently in power. Perhaps your opinion might differ once regime change happens, which I really do believe is inevitable. Mike Perdue writes, Oral Mokto High School in New Brunswick took down the Canadian flag for the rainbow flag, and I am so pissed. Oral Mokto is a military town, and the fact that they can do such a disgraceful act and never get called out on it is beyond me. It's about hating Canada, not about being inclusive slash accepting. And again, you know, my position is that if you must fly the pride flag, fine. Fly it with the Canadian flag, too. And another thing, it used to be Gay Pride Day, and then it was Gay Pride Week, and then simply Pride Month, namely the entire month of June. Now advocates in the alphabet soup community are clamoring for Pride Season, meaning what exactly? That Pride lasts the entire summer or even beyond? If so, good golly, Miss Molly, what are weak-kneed companies going to do when Team Rainbow insists that even on July 1st, the pride flag remains flying while the Canadian flag stays in the closet? I sometimes don't recognize this country anymore. Christine Bunton writes, OMG, the veterans would turn over in their graves. Why does pride take precedence over our Canadian flag People have gone berserk when I was young in the 70s and 80s. You didn't cater to a certain group of people. We celebrated Canada. Those days are gone, sadly. In this day and age of cancel culture, the squeaky wheel gets the grease big time. And that means the pride flag takes precedence over the flag of Canada, at least in certain circles. Pathetic, isn't it? And speaking of veterans, I'm kind of glad my grandfather isn't around to see this perversity play out these days. And finally, JS writes, Wow, I love Swiss Chalet. Enjoy it often. No more. 
saying with the rest of the group, I am not against pride, but I am very much in favor of the Canadian flag, and I am not a fan of public relations departments ignoring the question. So long, Swish LA. I will miss you. JS, you nailed it. I think this uber-woke PR strategy that Recipe cooked up with their flag policy has backfired on them big time. If you are a Canadian company with stores in Canada selling goods and services to Canadians, then you should not disrespect the Canadian flag. Darn it, I'm so going to miss that delectable Swiss chalet dipping sauce as well. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Happy Dominion Day.